And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. We have an esteemed panel with us today, Ari Wasserman, Scott Doctorman. We're going to talk about the college football playoff without talking about the college football playoff because I got to tell you guys, I am really enjoying this college football season. And I really don't think about the Final Four or the National Champion very much from week to week right now. And I think it's because I'm just having so much fun with these games. There's so much going on. Alabama-Tennessee obviously may ultimately have National Championship playoff implications. But in the moment, it was just so much fun. Michigan-Penn State was not a, a close game, but was probably for Michigan fans, a game that they've been waiting for for a long time to see them be that dominant. You know, they 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 did it against Ohio State last year. But can, can you be that again? Yes, they can be that again. Um, you know, the, the USC-Utah game was awesome. This week, we got undefeated Syracuse against undefeated Clemson. We got undefeated Ole Miss going to LSU, and Vegas has made Ole Miss an underdog after Ole Miss was initially posted as a favorite. Uh, we got UCLA, Oregon in the Pac-12. Can UCLA stay undefeated? Guys, it feels like there's so many storylines in the game. Am I wrong? Have the games been more fun this year? Well, I was going to say to you, I think the games have been more fun, but I don't remember a season in the recent past where this many teams were still in the good category going mm-hmm. into the third week in o- October. I mean, you just mentioned a few of them, but you got Tennessee – and like a real Tennessee, which is different than a six and zero, you know, regular six and zero. Like that's a right, that's a super six and zero. They've beaten LSU. Yeah. They've beaten Alabama. They're good. You know, Clemson and Michigan are undefeated. So you still have Georgia and Ohio State. That's not entertaining. But Michigan, Clemson, you have Ole Miss undefeated. TCU's undefeated. UCLA's undefeated. All Power Five schools or Power Five conferences still have a legitimate candidate for the college football playoff still. And I feel like every year the college football playoff discourse starts once the picture becomes clear. And I think the reason why we've put it off is because the picture isn't clear enough to have an opinion yet. I mean, and even if you look down into the teens, like Illinois, what's going on? Yes. Is Illinois going is Illinois going to Indianapolis? Um, Syracuse, uh, Wake Forest is five and one. USC is six and one. Oklahoma State's five and one. Oregon's five and one. I mean, there's a lot of, of really good storylines here. I mean, Listen, North Carolina is six and one, and they're number twenty-two. Like, yes. there's a lot happening in the season this year for oh, sure. I'll give you oh. another one. Here's here's a crazy one. Tomorrow, well, if you're listening to this podcast tonight, so Thursday night, Georgia Tech faces Virginia. If Georgia Tech wins, remember Georgia Tech, which has fired its coach. If Georgia Tech wins tonight, they will be three and zero in the ACC Coastal. They're only conference losses to Clemson. 
Like, they will be in the driver's seat of the Coastal. <laughs> you know, this is what makes it such a great sport and so interesting. I mean, watching that scene unfold at Tennessee last week, which was a total palate cleanser for me because I was off that day. Or that day you know, <laughs> I got to see some offense. but 100 <laughs> points. Scott needed that. <laughs> I needed it. Like 101 <laughs> points in a game. I, I haven't seen that all season. But, uh, no, it, it was just great to see the college football home environment. That's what makes it so different from – any other sport, even the NFL, because you're seeing 105,000 people rushing the field and, and you're seeing that the atmospheres take root in, and, and these games matter. They've mattered for a hundred years. Uh, Tennessee, Auburn, the third, or Alabama, I'm sorry, the third Saturday in October, Penn State, Michigan, one of the big three, I guess, of the Big Ten. It's just, these games are awesome. And uh, to you don't want to turn this into college basketball where it's all about March. March is great, but the five other months are kind of meh. You know, this is this is what makes it awesome because it's a, so much better than playing in a sterile environment indoors somewhere. Did Tennessee score more points in that game than Iowa has all year? No, Iowa's got a 27-pointer a couple of times. No, no, I'm saying combined. No. Oh, combined, oh. those two? Uh God, I don't know. No, I thought, I thought, the, I thought yeah, I read I a stat somewhere that Iowa has 47 did. offensive points. I think yeah, Tennessee no. scored more offensive points than Iowa has scored all year, though. No, yeah. Iowa scored 27 twice. Uh, you know, but their so. defense scored some of those. <laughs> yeah, they scored two touchdowns in one of those games. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to – you'd have to get it up for me here. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, we're, Either way, it was it's it was exciting. Let me have my moment, God. I know. I'm, I'm I just want to whoop on Iowa's offense later and force Scott to talk God. about it more later. I'm we have a whole game with Iowa that. offensive statistics when he's trying to have a good time. I'm I sorry, know. Scott. I'm it's sorry. It's like uh, you know, it's like hey, every single week I come in here, it's like burning down the house. It's like hey, by the way, it was great, but you guys. Your house was on fire. What happened? There? <laughs> Tre- Trevor in the live chat. Would a team with Tennessee's offense and Iowa's defense be the team of the of the deck? Be the team of the century. That team would be unstoppable. I would oh, do anything man. to watch Tennessee play Iowa. Uh, oh. See, I think Tennessee would get open against Iowa. And then Iowa still wouldn't score against Tennessee. Actually, that sounds like what's going to happen this no, weekend. We're kind of getting that game this weekend, yeah. And we got to go through this. Yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunate because... Iowa does have a really good defense, but it's not an invincible defense. It's one that's going to get scored on because the other, what will happen is Ohio, they generally give up a touchdown on their first possession because everybody kind of figures them out and then they tighten up. Well, what will happen is they'll go first down run for one, second down pass incomplete, third down sack punt. Ohio State will get the ball midfield, score again, and then it'll be off to the races. So, guys, I, I want to ask each of you, what game are you most excited about? This weekend, because I think there's going to be some where we come away going, man, that was awesome. Maybe none of the spectacle of Alabama, Tennessee, but I have a feeling come Saturday night, we're going to be looking back and going, oh, that was another fun one. Scott, do you have one locked up? Because I have one right off the tip of my tongue. You go first. Um, Well, actually, it's not. I've got two. Uh, I can't wait to watch UCLA play Oregon Mm -hmm. because if UCLA takes the screws to Oregon, then you have a legitimate conversation about whether this team actually can make the playoff, which is incredible. And then two, I'm very excited to watch uh, Ole Miss LSU because I'm like on high Ole Miss watch and I find it strange that they're dogs. Um, Vegas always knows, but um, that is a pretty important game in the SEC that doesn't involve uh, one of the traditional 
power. So that to me is good. And then of course, Syracuse and Clemson also. You know, I, a couple that I like, one in the Big Ten, it's a night game. Uh, it's a whiteout, uh, Minnesota at Penn State. And, and this is kind of what we're talking about with the sport. Neither one of these teams are going to go to the playoff now. They both lost last week decisively in division, and they, were probably, and they won't go to their conference championship game. However, whoever gets off the mat first has a chance to kind of save their season. And Minnesota has a, has a great running back and a really good defense. Penn State looked horrible last week against the run. But can they, you know, they have the whiteout. That's one of the great atmospheres in college sports. So I really like that. And, and then Purdue, Wisconsin. Contrasted styles. It, Wisconsin's won 15 straight against them, but Purdue, I, I still like Purdue in the West. So I, I kind of like both of those games. And we've seen Purdue win a rock fight against Minnesota. They can do that. That's that's what I think makes Purdue a little bit different this year and why I think Purdue, Illinois, winds up being the the game for for the Big Ten West title. And that's another – I'm fascinated by the Big Ten West. I think that race is really interesting just because it still feels like everybody's in it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for Illinois-Purdue. I think that's next weekend, right? It's the 12th of November. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was, at least I was close, right? <laughs> only two weeks off. Uh, weeks. The whole month off, yeah. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me give you another one, guys. Texas at Oklahoma State. Yeah. For sure. Because Texas is coming off a game that for the past 10 years, Texas would have lost. That Iowa State game, mm-hmm. Iowa State had them on the ropes huh. in Austin, and the Texas teams probably from you know 2010 on would have found a way to lose that game. But this one didn't. This one won. Now they're going to a team that is better than Iowa State with a quarterback who can make magic happen in an environment that is really tough to play. And I, I feels like the fans are two inches away from the sidelines at Boone Pickett Stadium. Like it I, there's some tight stadiums in this, in the country. Like uh, Florida Field is one of them, where it's it's very hard to you know you don't have much space. But Boone Pickens feels like the tightest one. It feels like they are literally suffocating the opponent. Yeah, when I saw that Texas was yeah. laying a touchdown in that game, I was like, "What? Somebody Why? explain this?" To yeah, me. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kinnick and Boone Pickens are the two tightest. I mean, it's seven yards from the sideline to the. To the uh, to the fans, and I, I like I like that one too. I think in the Big Twelve, anything can happen. I, I before the season, I thought it would be the most exciting conference because I don't think anybody's going to the playoff, but I think any of them could win it. And when we were looking at Iowa State, they've lost three the last three games by combined seven points. Last week, they win at Texas if Xavier Hutchinson, the probably the best receiver in the league catches the ball yeah. and he it was, drops. He was it. wide open. It was right there. Yeah, it was. He jumped right. Yeah. Why yeah, did he it was, jump? Well, and and look, I I don't know if that was targeting on the final uh, on the fumble mm-hmm. by Deckers. Matt Campbell certainly thought it was, but that's one of those. He's so close to having his knee down before yeah. the ball comes out. If the ball pops out a tenth of a second later, Iowa wins because he's down, and that's not a fumble, and Iowa wins. Yeah, you know, I think that I disagree with you guys on, or maybe you don't have this opinion, but. That's not the first Big 12 game I would mention this week. Kansas State at TCU is, is probably the more entertaining game to yeah. me because, you know, I watched TCU have a really thrilling comeback last week in person, and I thought that they, you know, illustrated the types of, of things that we talk about on this podcast all the time, which is can you win multiple types of games? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've put up some big offensive numbers in some games, and this time they really they erased a 
14-point deficit in the fourth quarter to win an overtime game at home against a very good team. So, you know, the reward uh, they get for that is to get a Kansas State team in. And Kansas State has a loss. Um, you know, losing to Tulane on the schedule looks kind of odd, but they're undefeated in the Big 12 still, right? So yeah. yep. they beat Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. So, I mean, that's a really tough game, too. It's like how at how many games does TCU have to win before we really start taking them seriously as a program? Well, I think we can take them seriously now, but I, I think because of the way the Big 12 is set up, they can't breathe. They can't be like, okay, we're in the Big 12 title game really until they're sitting with a seventh conference win. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, as crazy as that sounds. And, and it, because the whole league, and I mean, the last place could beat first place right now. And that's just a, uh, the way it all kind of sets up. Although the, the TCU did beat Iowa State, I think, by a touchdown. But it's just a it's a nuts league, and and I also like Kansas at Baylor. I think that could be a really fascinating yeah. game this week. Yeah, Kansas it's, State's schedule for the next month is at TCU, uh, home against Oklahoma State and Texas, then at Baylor. So go look at Texas's next three. Texas's next three are, are Oklahoma State, uh, K State, and TCU. Like, yeah, it, it's crazy. And oh, programming note by the way, Max and Sam in this here podcast feed have Deuce Vaughn, Kansas state star tailback Love on that. their show this week. Love that for them. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a can, good show. You can find that in this feed. You can also go to the Andy Staples show YouTube channel and watch that. If you'd like uh, Deuce is, is awesome. He has an incredible commercial that he stars in for porta potties. <laughs> it's incredible. So, uh, who are I, they advertising porta potties to, uh, people who have job sites, construction yeah. sites, you know, uh, or if you're putting on a big event, you're gonna yeah. need to. I just kind of feel like the porta potty is the type of thing that you would. Uh, this is you, a local you, company, though, so I, yeah. I'm saying porta potty. The porta potty is kind of like Band Aid and Kleenex, where it's the brand name, and so I probably shouldn't be saying that. I can't remember uh, the exact name of the company, but but it's, listen to the show to find out. But yeah, it's Deuce Vaughn and uh, Felix Anudike Uzama, who's their their great edge rusher and then their best volleyball player all-star in this thing and it's basically oh. uh deuce is running around trying to find somewhere where um deuces are welcome <laughs> and, uh, it needs to drop a deuce and it's not it's not the the ones belonging to these other two <laughs> fine k-state athletes okay but he finally finds his own i think they're called cat cans i think that's the company and, okay uh, i was just gonna say like if you need a porta potty you don't need you, you need one you know like that's yeah so, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. It's one of my favorite NIL deals so far this year. So we'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Think about this, guys, because we're looking ahead uh, tomorrow, which is Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Are you and Nicole will be at the the CFP meetings in Dallas? There's a chance they may be able to to hammer out details and say starting the 12 teamer in 2024. We don't know if that's going to happen or not, but when that happens, for you know, for all intents and purposes. The Big 12 champ will be in the playoff each year. Imagine a year like this where there is definitely a spot at the end of the rainbow for that champ. And oh, by the way, throw in UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston. By the way, Houston's not having a great year, but the current UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU teams, I think, will all be competitive in this league right now. For sure. What a fun league, man. Uh, you know, they, things didn't work out right with them for Oklahoma and Texas. But I'm telling you what, every Thursday night or whatever their next deal is going to come up, it's going to have some awesome football. It's going to have must-see TV, and they're going to have a team go to the playoff every year, as you said. So I'm, I'm totally looking forward to it. And, and we mentioned that we're, we have not turned our discussion to the playoff because the picture's not clear, because there are so many teams that we consider good. So I'm curious, when it's 12, will we push that discussion later because it won't be clear, because we'll have so many teams that we consider eligible to make it? Like, I'm starting to wonder, are we going to focus just more on the games than the end when that happens? Because it feels like we're doing that now with the four team because we feel like there's more teams that are worthy. I guess it's an interesting theory. I don't know if that's the, if that's what yeah. will happen. It just it's just it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, I guess the idea of we're waiting longer to get to really. Di- I mean, when do we typically start really diving into discourse for the college football playoff First in a normal week year? In October, I feel like. Yeah. So if we're three weeks behind because there's so many different teams that are still out there, then I guess you could say that in a place where uh, we have twelve going, then what's the point of breaking it down yet? When because I mean, if there was twelve this year, think about how many people. I mean, half the. Half the country would still be in, in play here. So um, there'd be nine Big Twelve teams that we'd feel still have a chance could make it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, at times too, it's like it's it's fun to say, "Well, this is a CFP team or whatever," but like it's kind of pointless to talk about when you have nine teams in one league who are still technically alive to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I I, lo- I love the idea of this because what it does is it makes the the end of the season more relevant. And this is relevant for different geographies. Like, let's say Bama's and Auburn are playing the Iron Bowl the same day as Wisconsin-Minnesota. And Auburn's thinking, hey, if we upset Bama, we could get in there. But Wisconsin's ranked ahead of us. And, and you're, you're playing that kind of math. I think that makes every game more important, not less important, as people would say. So I, I'm all about that. And I think the discussion will kind of follow. Because what we're seeing now is, 
we're, we're seeing kind of the crux of, okay, the Ohio State Michigan's gonna, winner is going to get there. The winner of the SEC is going to get there. Probably a second SEC team. Who's next? Well, there's still a lot of season to be played. I mean, we don't know if Clemson will get in there. What if the Ohio State Michigan winner, it's only a three three point game? You know, could they get in? You know, we saw a great game last week with Tennessee Bama. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, Tennessee Bama. And so I, I don't know. I think that there's, there's still too many teams to where it's that part that relevant to the discussion. Yeah. And, and like we still could have some earth shakers that the Syracuse Clemson game is fascinating to me because I know Clemson is a 13 and a half point favorite. Syracuse played them tough last year. I, we're getting into the, I'll, I'm going back farther than, than the current players were there. But in 2018, Syracuse nearly derailed Clemson's national title season. It took the, the miracle pass from Chase Bryce on fourth down to win that game. 2017, Syracuse beat Clemson. And this is a, a kind of a, a different team at Syracuse because uh, Dino Babers still does you know what he does with it. They've got the, the kind of foundation of that offense is that old Baylor offense. But they've added so many different elements, like Robert and I and, and Jason Beck coming from Virginia, sprinkling in the things they did there with Bronco Mendenhall. And, and you see them you know, playing with a couple tight ends, playing with a couple backs. Like it's a, it's a fun offense and it's not what we're used to seeing from them. And like Garrett Schrader, I think, you know, a lot of fans just remember Garrett Schrader from the helicopter hit he took when he played for Mississippi state. But like, if you saw that, that Purdue game this year, Syracuse Purdue was bananas. And so they could be a fun team against Clemson. This could be a better matchup. I I did uh series XM, on Wednesday, and we had Dabo Sweeney on, and he is absolutely taking this one very seriously because this is their biggest challenge left, and they've played them so tough over the years that he is he is not not taking anything lightly this week. Andy, look at the comment we just got from Go Black Forty Five. Sure, throw that up there because I think this is interesting. Yeah. Honest uh, question, guys: Why is it so bad for college football to talk about the CFP? It's fine, but it's fine to talk about the Super Bowl in the NFL preseason. We talk about the national championship in the college football preseason as well, but we're not. The, the problem is it feels like we eliminate so many teams from the discussion each year because they're not going to make the playoff, because they're not going to compete for the national title, that we just forget about them and we're like, oh, this game doesn't matter. This game doesn't matter. This game doesn't matter nationally when it still does matter to a lot of people in, in the fan base itself but also could be just a really fun game to watch. And I don't like that we get so tied up in the four that we're not worried about the rest. Like NFL playoffs, there's going to be half the, you know, not quite half the teams in the league make the playoff, but almost. And so that means more than half the teams in the league are, are in play deep into the season to make the playoff. So, you don't have games that you're like, well, this doesn't matter. You, you, you have a few, but not many. I mean, what you're describing here is a fundamental shift from national championship focus to postseason focus. Yeah. Yep. Well, you we're, know, all, we're always going to talk about who might win the national championship before yeah. the season. That's, that's never going to go away. You know, everything used to be so regionalized. You know, hey, the champion's going to go to the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or whatever. And now it's just these four. 
And whereas at the NFL, yeah, people make their Super Bowl predictions and who's going to win the AFC and NFC, but then it kind of stops for a couple of months and you just kind of let the games marinate and then you come back to it, you know, right around Thanksgiving about, okay, how does this set up for the playoff run? But it's more about the playoff than it is the, the Super Bowl when you have 14 out of 32 teams then you know, everybody's included except the really bottom ones. And then you start talking about the draft. So, so there's a, a conversation for everybody in college football, you know, like where I live, Iowa, Minnesota is a big deal to Iowa and Minnesota because they play for one of the great trophies. Same thing with Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin and, and Minnesota and all these other games. An axe. Yep. I mean, great traveling trophies. But it's it's not relevant when you consider what's for the playoff. But for if they still have the sellout crowd and they still have people watching it, then maybe we should look at it too. But do you think it's good to be postseason focused and not national championship focused? I think that there's – and I, I'm not saying I agree one way or the other. I just mean that there's a we've almost villainized the thought process of narrowly focusing on which teams are capable of winning the national championship. And I don't know if that's unhealthy. I, I don't think it's unhealthy. I just think that that college football is such a vivid tapestry and is so interesting in a, in a bunch of different ways that I like the fact that this season feels like it's allowed us to examine a lot of the things that make the sport interesting without turning our a laser focus to, all right, looks like Georgia or Alabama in the SEC, Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten, uh, Oklahoma and nobody in the Big 12. Pac-12's out. Don't even worry about them. And uh, Clemson in the ACC. That's it. Okay, we're, uh, and there are a lot of times at this point we've already narrowed it down to Which that. Which is funny because even though – there are a lot of teams who are still left. It's probably still going to be the four. Probably, but, but it, I feel. But more I do think it's cool that we're talking way. about we're talking about Illinois and Syracuse on this podcast on October nineteenth. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We now get to the part that Scott has been dreading all week. The part where we talk about the offense he covers. But Scott, you had an amazing story. Great story. You did this to yourself, dude. In the athletic <laughs> on Wednesday, I was. Red Zone production, and you have uh, you've rechristened it the Dead Zone, and it has nothing to do with that Anthony Michael Hall show on you on USA Network. Yeah, it's uh, I feel like I'm like the kid that got invited to the slumber party because he has like a you know an eighth toe or something like that. It's like, hey, show everybody your toe. Look at look at look at the toe. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are with with Iowa. But Iowa, as we know, has a million different problems on offense. And I documented all of them. But this one, I think, is the worst of the worst, which is what they do in the dead zone. It's depth defying, not even death defying. I mean, the fact is that they've uh, – I went back not only this – six game stretch, but uh, their eighth game, their last eight before that, when they started six and oh, and got all the way up to number two. And then since then they're four, they're seven and seven. They've thrown 15 passes for a total of three yards inside the 10 yard line. Only four. How do you do that? They throw laterally every damn time. They've thrown four (laughs) passes into the end zone over that period from inside the 10 and three of them were last year with a backup quarterback. So only once this year, and it was a touchdown pass to Luke Lachey uh, at the goal line. So from and then when you look outside in the red zone itself, it's not much better. I mean, it's only six. So they've thrown six times into the end zone in the red zone for the last fourteen games. So how are you going to score points 
when you, when you're not even going to throw it to the end zone, when your players aren't guys who can beat guys off the dribble, that's among, among all the, this is to me is the heart of coordination and the heart of, um, a, a play calling. I mean, cause you're not, you're not sending your receivers in there and you're not asking your quarterback to throw it. Into so I'm trying, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to do math here and you tell me, if Oh I boy, got this here right. we go. <laughs> so Ohio state's a 29 and a half point favorite. So, the over-under is 49 and a half. <laughs> so that means that they're expecting a, uh, oh, I, I failed again. Uh, <laughs> they're expecting about a 40 to nine game. 40 to nine. Yeah. Or, or 39 to eight, 39 to, to nine, 39 okay. to 10. Yeah. I like did that. the math wrong on my head, but I yeah. thought maybe that they thought that Iowa would score multiple touchdowns in this game. And that's not, that's not the case, but you know, I wonder if they will be able to score an offensive touchdown on Saturday. Yeah, they might. Um, they almost did the last. Well, no, they. Yeah, they almost did because they had the ball at the five, um, but then they went backwards and had to kick a field goal. So, um, and then they had a defensive touchdown called back. So, will they be able to score an offensive one or a defensive one? I think they'll score one of the ways, but um, I don't think they'll score much more than that. And it's a real damn shame too because. This defense, I'm not going to say it's world beater, but it's really good. And it's not going to look really good on Saturday because Ohio State does that to a lot of good teams. And unfortunately for them, their offense isn't going to sustain drives long enough to where it gives their defensive punchers chance. Well, what, what do you think the score is going to be, Scott? 45 to 10. So you, you think they're going to cover? I do. I do. Because I don't think Iowa could score. As I said, I mean, I, I think – their defense, if they had a chance, they could keep the score down a little bit. But they, you know, because like 45 the, points would be a lot, I feel like. Yeah. But I mean, they scored 52 on Wisconsin and 49 on Michigan State. And I think Iowa's better. But, but those, those teams still have better offenses than Iowa. Iowa. can't keep the ball long enough. Is the I just, I, I kind of feel like this back. game is like a 38 to 10 type game. 35 to 10. Only if Ryan Day calls off the dogs or Iowa, uh, Ohio State's backups don't score on them is, is, is the key. Um, the, the number that blew my mind in your story, Scott, wasn't anything about how bad the current offense is. It was how capable it used to be. Mm-hmm. Nate Stanley, from 2017 to 2019, threw 47 red zone touchdown passes. <laughs> 47 like I can't even they're not going to score 47 touchdowns in a two-year span are they let me put it to you this way over that 14 game period Spencer Petrus has thrown three touchdown passes the last time they played Ohio State in 2017 Nate Stanley threw five so you know and each tight end caught two they both are in the NFL and starting by the way Um, and they had a pretty good a couple of I mean, tackles, no fan TJ Hawkinson, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they were very prolific in that part of the field and they had players who could make plays. And they also had a wide receiver who's on a, on Dallas's practice squad who's really good fade route runner. They don't throw fades. They don't throw anything. So it's really been – they don't do anything well. They don't have any part of their game that you could say, well, they can lean on this. Maybe they can run the ball like they used to or they have – you know, they've got good tight ends, but they don't execute them well enough. So you, we played the audio of you asking Brian Ferentz last week, have you thought about stepping down? And I said, I, I don't feel like that's the right question for Brian Ferentz because this, this isn't Japan. Like, 
nobody resigns in shame here. Like it is you, you, you go till somebody fires you. But the problem is the guy who like, I can't imagine firing my own son. So if like, if I were Kirk Ferentz, it would be very difficult for, I would rather get fired myself than fire my own son. And that's what makes this situation feel so impossible to me. There's that. I think also you cannot remove Kirk Ferentz from this. Everybody wants to blame Brian, but it's Kirk's offense. And a lot of times Brian does want to do a little bit more. I'm not saying he'd be great at it, but I'm just saying he would want to do more. Kirk does hamstring him. He wants to be this risk averse team. But the problem what we're seeing in like the red zone is that they're not even really they're looking to score in the easiest way possible, or at least keep make sure that they don't turn the ball over. And it's it's just not a, a, an easy way to win. So all the, they basically just operate scared at all times. On offense, they do no question. Risk averse is their strategy, and 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 it's Kirk's job. So I think at this point, the the smartest path for Iowa, if Brian Ferentz was to go with Bill O'Brien, who he's you know really a, a good friends with after the Patriots, and be an offensive line coach and a run game coordinator, he'd be great at that. He's a fantastic offensive line coach, but. Kirk's going to still have to take a step back and let somebody coordinate it. That doesn't mean they have to run, you know, the spread and pass on every down, but just let somebody do something different and be more of a figurehead. If he did that, you know, again, this defense is really good. They could still coach the hell out offensive line when they're old enough. This year they're not. Uh, And then they'll be competitive, but. Until then, they're just going to be a laughing stock, and that's the reason why we're talking about them right now because they're three oh, and three. Historic. We're talking about them because they're historic. It's not. It's not to torture you, Scott. It's not to torture you, dear listener. It's just <laughs> that we're never going to see anything like this again, and I feel like we should. We should memorialize it in some way, shape, or form, and that yeah. is talk about it whenever we can. <laughs> can we talk about something else though that I wanted to bring up to you, and I've been thinking about nonstop since the weekend? Yes, right after the break. Because that's a great tease, Ari. So I'm Ari will talk about something that has been bothering him nonstop since the weekend. When we come back. <laughs> Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Ari Wasserman. Something's been bugging you. Hit us with it. Yeah, um, I saw a few good segues here. So uh, Alias Gray in the comments here wrote, Never hire someone you can't fire, which reminded me of this. Then you read that beautiful ad for LinkedIn Jobs saying that everything, every hire that you make is a high stakes wager. Absolutely. Um, can we talk about how stupid it is to give any coach a 10 year deal? Yes. Because of the 100%. Penn State situation. And like, I, I don't know if we're like, you know, jumping the gun a little bit with, with, uh, Mel Tucker at Michigan State when things aren't going that well. But like, why don't I, I talk about high stakes hire LinkedIn? I mean, what are we, are, are we, are these contracts going to go extinct? No, because they, they, the FOMO among ADs is so obscene and the, the fear of having to go out and hire somebody different. If you've got somebody who's having a somewhat successful tenure is so great that they're going to lock something down if they can. Why are we doing this? Scott, like, are you with me on this? Come on. Yeah, no, deals? I, I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of times where I, the school I cover, uh, you know, and it really backfired for a while. And then it turned out to be an okay situation. But, but you look at Penn State, you know, last year, I think that there was a, the, the critical mass of Penn State fans were like, okay, thanks for what you did, James Franklin. You brought us back to relevance. Um, Bill O'Brien did a heavy lifting. You took us forward. But I think, most of the fans would have been okay with a different coach. Instead, by putting him there, I mean, what's Penn State going to do now? I mean, they don't look to me like they're going to be anything better than third in the East. And and when the Big Ten goes to one single division, they're not going to be any better than third in the Big Ten. Mel, Mel Tucker, they got scared off because, oh, my God, you know, they might lose him to LSU after you know this year. And then now are they – I don't even know if they're going to make a bowl game. So I think there's a fear – and and let's face it, agents can run circles around ADs when it comes to scheduling or it comes to contracts. Um, so I was texting Andy today, and I want to buy an iPad, which I said on the show last week. And I thought um, I'm going to go take a look at these things, and and I'm really trying to soul searching because I have a propensity to spend money on really stupid stuff, and I'm trying to be better at it. Am I actually going to use this thing? Okay. And I didn't buy it today because I'm still pondering. And I wonder if the people who hand out $100 million guaranteed, if it was like their own personal money, like if Never. they would. F- it, it just seems like a really terrible purchase. And, and there's and only. If they, if they worked in a business that had to run a profit, they also wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It's like fake money. It's like fake money. And nobody is like, say, say it out loud. $100 million guaranteed over a decade. Now, there's one silver lining that I think you could make, which is, in the case of Michigan State, they are locked in with this guy for at least seven years, right? 
it, Texas A and M, same thing. Yeah. And it removes the need the the knee jerk reactions or the temptation to have a knee jerk reaction. It forces you to stay the course with the same person for longer than you typically would under a normal contract. And maybe by doing so, you give that person enough time, uh, more time than you're, they're usually afforded to write the ship. And then things get good in year six and seven because of the patience, the unrelenting patience. <coughs> but I just like everything you just said, Scott, about Franklin, yeah. it's like they gave, well, didn't he, did that, did that contract come before Lincoln got hired or after? He it got hired before. by USC. It, it, it was? was before, yeah. So maybe the the idea is we don't want to lose this guy to a to USC, but for the life of me, and I'm not saying the guy should be fired, mm-hmm. but the way they lost that game, guys, mm-hmm. it wasn't that they lost; it was the way that they lost. They were completely out of it from a physical standpoint from from even the second quarter on, even though they were only losing by two mm-hmm. at halftime, and. To be locked into somebody for nine more years for that much more money during a time in which they were at a crossroads anyway is so bizarre to me. And I don't know that anybody in the sport outside of Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, and Nick Saban, I wouldn't even give Ryan Day that contract. No, it, it, it's, a, it's a recipe for hopelessness mm-hmm. if you have two bad seasons in a row or two, not even bad, two mediocre seasons in a row. Because then it feels like you'll never pull out of it. You can't possibly make a change. You have no leverage. And then you're like, what's good? What, that, that's where, remember, we've said this on the show. Ari, I think you said this a couple episodes ago. What you're fighting against is not fans being mad at you. It's fans not caring. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen yeah. to you is people stop caring. And so if they feel locked in to a situation that is never going to change, that's when they stop. And caring. there's no so, hope to change it. Right. Yeah, that That's where you, you, you run into a problem. And that's why like another game we have not talked about, because we were talking about teams that are, are having really good years this year. Texas A&M, South Carolina this weekend fascinates the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Texas A&M goes to Columbia and South Carolina wins that game, what, what happens in college station? S'more fires. Yeah. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. Nothing. Yeah, and then the thing is you're afraid at one point that the fires will just stop lighting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's apathy. And and that's the way it is, especially in college sports. And, and nobody seems to – remember a few years ago, I think Forbes even wrote a story about, you know, Iowa should fire Kirk Ferentz because, you know, after for, – for, from 2002 to 2009, four times they were in the top eight. Then they gave him a 10-year deal, and then from 2010 through 2014, they were 34 and 30 overall in 1921 in the Big Ten. And then the season tickets dropped by 17%. But by giving, you know, you could argue it one way or the other and say, look, it's time you need to make it a change that this is just going on perpetually. Well, then he actually had the time to, to go in 2015 and win 12 games. And up until this year, over the five-year period, they had the eighth best winning percentage in Power Five. So, it, you can argue it from different ways, but you got to be confident that that person is the right person for the job to continue to weather it when you do drop down. Is Jimbo Fisher that guy? Is Mel Tucker that guy? And I'd argue Mel Tucker doesn't have it. He has one good season at Michigan State and gave him all that. Right, money. he doesn't have the body of work to even yeah. know one way or the other. Jimbo Fisher at least has a longer body of work yeah. that you can kind of say, "Oh well, he's done this, he's done this," but. It is – here's the thing that, that 
I find very interesting about this because the the fastest way to get donations, and that's these athletic departments still very much reliant on donations. You know, they're tax deductible. They're they're, they're they help the person giving too because it's money they would have given Uncle Sam anyway. But then this makes them you know, gives them a chance to get her name on a building or feel like a big shot or whatever, however you want to do it. But winning is the easiest and fastest way to get you donations. The second one is hope. So sometimes making that change resets the clock, generates new hope, gets you donations that you wouldn't have gotten. So there's an incentive to, if you can't be great, if you're mediocre, change. Because just continuing to be mediocre and I mean mediocre by your own standard because Penn State standard, Texas A&M standard, probably different than the standard at, say, Georgia Tech. If you're mediocre by your own standard, then people stop hoping and people stop giving money. I just think that $100 million, you should be able to get more than what they're getting. You know, you, you should be able to punch up a weight class. And for Bama, that's national championship every year, which Saban is damn near did. Um, at Iowa, it's be able to compete at a level comparable to the the Blue Bloods, but not necessarily a national championship. But at Penn State, it should be Blue Blood territory. It should be getting to the playoff. It should be winning Big Ten championships. And instead, they're you know they're going to be at best ten and two in the regular season and and not competitive with Penn State or with Michigan. Not right. competitive physically because those touchdowns weren't. They were gift touchdowns. They weren't earned touchdowns. No, that game was over before. It's, I mean, Andy was yeah. ordering Taco Bells in the second quarter, I think. Yeah, well, um, long Blake Corum run. That was it. Yeah. I'm done. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm checking. I'm, I'm downloading. I literally downloaded the Taco Bell app after I'm that, just curious that if there's going to be a, a cool-off period from this or if this is going to be the new norm because that was three because even Brian Kelly got one similar, didn't he? He, he did, and now – the all, and it's interesting because the only reason he left Notre Dame was he had a contract like that, but felt like some of the promises made from a we're going to make these changes, spend money on these resources standpoint weren't weren't kept. And so he went to LSU and now he's got that contract. And if, if things start not working at LSU, well, he's yours. Yeah, I. Yeah, I just, I almost think it's like a slap in the face to Saban. It's like all that that guy's accomplished in this sport to be in the same ballpark of him financially is just insane. Yes. <laughs> and I've done a story about what Nick Saban is probably actually worth to Alabama. Yeah. With and the I've actually asked and people yeah. at Alabama, like, what do you, what do we really think? And the answer usually comes in like between 25 and 30 million a year. Like that's what he's really Because worth. of the, because of the expanded, uh, Population they, of the student body and stuff. Yeah, People they bring come, in yeah. more out of state students, paying full freight. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, he brings in so much more money to the university I'm beyond the to find the part. word tuition, more tuition dollars. Yes, yeah, yeah, and and it is, but he and Dabo are the only ones. Kirby too, I would give it to him. Yeah, I think Kirby has reset, but but, but Kirby's only in year six. But I think yeah, you're but right. Kirby think, gets you. You know when, like you oh, know, he, when, yeah, he definitely gets it. Yeah. It's like James Franklin. It's not like it was going into year three, too. It's like at least with Michigan State, there's the there's the air of the unknown, you know, of like what could this be. It's like I think that we've got a pretty good idea of what Penn State's going to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they didn't capitalize when they had the chance. You know, when they had uh, Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley, and they're they're a nice program, but they're not they're not competitive with Michigan, and I don't know that they're going to be competitive with Ohio State. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they lose one more game the rest of the year. So, uh, I think that's a that was a bad investment by an AD who was retiring, and to give them that, I think that's. That that's the other part. I mean, the uh, Sandy Barber was retiring. She retired in June, and she gave him that six seven months before. That's just crazy. that's the other craziest thing about it too. I was talking to John Hayes, our producer, about this. It's like you, you hand out a hundred million dollar contract and then bolt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott Woodward at Texas A and M also. Yeah. Now he gave, he gave another one out at LSU, and I guess I guess Ross Bjork's on the hook now because he extended Jimbo. And that, and that's the thing. Like, if you're Ross Bjork, you you probably were worried about Jimbo going to LSU, and you probably had people saying you got to lock him down. But the fact of the matter is, and when he did it, the program was headed in the, in the right direction. When, like when, but when everybody's mad, and let's say they do lose to South Carolina, or they go, you know, they go eight and four, seven and five this year, and everybody's freaking out. Guess who they're going to take it out on? The only person they can. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just yeah, I think that's a really fascinating discussion because we, you know, I know the money's coming in, the television deals, yada yada yada, but these guys are spending money like it's like it's fake money. Yeah, if they had a, if even they had a, a regents that wanted, I mean, if, if this was a private corporation, you could forget it. I mean, that would never happen. Be like the athletic saying, you know what, Ari, you flirted with rivals.com. We're going to give you a half a million dollars a year for ten years, right. and no matter what you do, we can't fire you. Yes. Whether you're good or not, whether you're bringing in more readers or not, bringing in more listeners or not, you're, we're still paying you. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> the they athletic, don't have to do it this way. I would and, and, accept that too, athletic. If you're and that's what I, I wrote this last, <laughs> last couple of years. I've, I've done these buyout studies. They do not have to do it this way. It, it, there, there are times where I just shake my head. Like when Ed Orgeron got hired at LSU is a great example. His buyout initially... It wasn't massive by t- today's buyout standards, but the fact that there was a buyout at all, because he didn't, he would have taken it without it, right? Exactly. Why? Why are you negotiating against yourself? Yeah, you know the thing too. With and I don't mean to pound the point home with Penn State. It's just one of the three. On a scale from one to ten, how exceptional have the results been for Franklin there? Like, is he is he exceeded expect? Like, if. How the remarkable Big Ten title is this? when he won it was absolutely exceeding expectations. What year is this though? Is this year eight? Right. This is six. We are six years nine. removed from nine. the Big Ten title. So he's going yeah. into year nine now. If I would have said to a, a Penn State fan the day he got hired, here's what the next nine years are going to look like. Is that a automatic yes uh, snap call? Well, the, or is okay, that the, the day he got hired, they might say that. Yeah, well, because of yeah, the situation of the they were situation coming out they were in. of. Yeah, but now, they already started to come out of it by the time they hired him. Right. Yeah, O'Brien right. did a really good job he in did. the two years he was there. Now here's here's the one difference going forward though. Four times they would have made the playoff if it had been a twelve team playoff. If they're making a twelve team playoff every year and once every couple of years they're threatening to be in that final four, then that changes everything. To me, it changes but, nothing, but it changes everything. It does because the it, expectations it, it do, it are does to, get to a point because they would have been that you're right. They would have had multiple appearances, but if they'd have been bounced because we, we see this with the NCAA tournament and I know mm-hmm. 
like the, they're talking now about expanding the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And and coaches love that because they're like, well, if I make the tournament, I save my job. No. Again, the standard is flu- it, it, the standard is on a kind of continuum. It fluctuates based on on your program's expectations. If you're at Alabama and there's a 12 team playoff and you never make the semifinals, you're going to be fired. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like being at Duke and never getting to the Final Four in basketball. Like you're going to get fired for that. So everybody thinks, oh, well, if I just make it, it's fine. No. Everybody gets why would used there be an, to stuff yeah, after a while, and they're like, in the "No, now we want more." Only right. makes it because it's expanded, you know. It's like but, I don't. But then it's different going to the Peach Bowl where you're playing a game versus a playoff where you have an opportunity to, to advance and win a national title. Because now, well, if, they I, went, if, if they win the Cotton Bowl against Mem- Memphis a few years ago, so what? Yeah. But if they win that and then go to the national quarterfinals, it's a different ball. James what? Franklin doesn't have to change anything for him to say, I've been to the playoff four years in the last 10 years. That's he true. He can do the same exact thing and have the same res- and have a different now result. The, the question is, will he be able to do that going forward if they're not? I mean, you're going to have to be probably the third best team in the Big Ten to get in. Yeah, I mean, if they don't get into the playoff when it expands to 12, that means they've regressed. So Yeah, exactly. So it it, it will be... It'll be fascinating to see, but that I mean, he he's got three, probably three more years at least before there's any real heat based on that contract. Yeah, yeah. And and the most I can say is Godspeed. Could be worse. Yeah. Could be the Texas A and M contract. <laughs> I mean, they I would take Texas A and M's on the field results. Years. I would take Texas A and M's on the field results right now in the class that they signed last year over Penn State situation and a hundred times out of a hundred. The only difference is, man, they they hit the mother load with both running back and quarterback, Penn State with Drew right. Aller and Nick Singleton. So they I did. think think they have an opportunity there. Right. We may um, be having a different conversation about this next year, and we may have a different conversation about Texas A and M next year as well. But Jimbo being Jimbo, like, and we've talked about this a million times on this podcast already. Jimbo's going to have to stop being Jimbo and the path start acting to fixing like somebody A and M is much shorter if you actually go down the path. So if you don't go down the path, then you're the then that's the problem, right? And I know that's frustrating. What's frustrating Texas A&M right. fans? No, there's but a very clear A&M path football to fixing it. Yeah. Is a very yellow brick roadish type path that all you got to do is take one step down and you're there like with, with Penn State, they're recruiting better and like you said Scott, I mean those they're one two punch at quarterback and running back into the future is a very exciting thing, but god, I I just like for the life of me, do not understand this. Anyway, thanks for indulging me. I appreciate it. <laughs> that was that was awesome. I, I listen, Ari. Anytime you have a thought like that, be okay. sure you let it out. Okay, because thank you. I appreciate it. Makes it, it makes for good pod. And yeah. also do it right before a commercial break. That's that. That's the most I can. And then tie ask in the it. commercial into the show, like I did. Oh, yes. like a. Boss, I'm like I, I'm boss. like I feel like I'm floating, looking over my body from above when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Will Ferrell in old school. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I blacked out for a second. That's how yeah. you debate, <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen. It's been a pleasure, guys. There's a lot in this feed that we can have some fun with. As I mentioned, Deuce Vaughn is on with Max and Sam. Uh, Chris Vanini joined Nicole Auerbach on Power Hour. Uh, and Grace Rayner also joined for a very fun conversation. I believe there's some Taylor Swift talk in there too, which yeah. I'm 
I'm, I'm we made it through this entire show without any grab ass, by the way. So for all you Dan don't talk enough about football. Yeah. This is a, a football episode. Yeah. Next time we're going to break down my story about Georgia Tech overhauling the punt team. We're going to spend a whole hour and a half on it. Next time you're going to have to hear Nicole eat cottage cheese. That's right. Nicole Auerbach eats cottage cheese. And then we talk about maybe the 12-team playoff expanding. And we yes. pick some games. Well, no, Can't not wait. the 12-team. Oh, sorry. Bad choice of words by me. Bad, bad host. Not the 12-team playoff expanding. The 12-team playoff happening at a certain time or not. We'll right. talk about that. And we'll pick some games against the spread when we're back on Friday. We'll talk to you next.